Hello, and welcome back to The Daily Poem, the podcast from Goldberry Studios. I'm Sean Johnson, and today is Monday, September 25th, 2023. Today's poem is by Thomas Gray, and it's called Ode on the Death of a Favorite Cat Drowned in a Tub of Goldfishes. I'll read it once, offer a few comments, and then read it a second time. Ode on the death of a favorite cat drowned in a tub of goldfishes. T'was on a lofty vase's side, where China's gayest art had dyed the azure flowers that blow. Demurest of the tabby kind, the pensive Salima reclined, gazed on the lake below. Her conscious tale her joy declared, the fair round face, the snowy beard, the velvet of her paws, her coat that with the tortoise vies, her ears of jet and emerald eyes, she saw and purred applause. Still had she gazed, but midst the tide, two angel forms were seen to glide, the genie of the stream. Their scaly armor's Tyrian hue, through richest purple to the view, betrayed a golden gleam. The hapless nymph with wonder saw a whisker first and then a claw. With many an ardent wish, she stretched in vain to reach the prize. What female heart can gold despise? What cat's averse to fish? Presumptuous maid, with looks intent, again she stretched, again she bent, nor knew the gulf between. Malignant fate sat by and smiled, a slippery verge, her feet beguiled. She tumbled headlong in. Eight times emerging from the flood, she mewed to every watery god some speedy aid to send. No dolphin came, no nereid steered, no cruel tom nor Susan heard. A favorite has no friend. From hence, ye beauties undeceived, no one false step is ne'er retrieved, and be with caution bold. Not all that tempts your wandering eyes and heedless hearts is lawful prize, nor all that glisters gold. Thomas Gray is an 18th century poet, born 1716, died 1771. Uh, he's best known for his poem, Elegy Written in a Country Churchyard. And this is the poem where we get some well-known lines like, The paths of glory lead but to the grave. Uh, Thomas Gray was famously called out by name uh, in William Wordsworth's Preface to the Lyrical Ballads. Uh, Wordsworth and Samuel Taylor Coleridge uh, inaugurated in many ways the, the romantic school of English poetry with that Preface to the Lyrical Ballads and the, uh, the eponymous collection of poetry lyrical ballads, which they published in 1798. And one of their great complaints was that poetry had become too detached from the language of the common man and the language of everyday life. Uh, and he particularly singled out Gray as being uh, guilty of this. Uh, I think that today's poem is uh, not the perfect example of what Wordsworth is complaining about, but there are moments when uh, you can 
you can see perhaps what what bothered him. And if you uh, take a moment and read a William Wordsworth poem after listening to this one, uh, you may see uh, the the shift that occurred there. I think this poem is built around uh, what we call bathos. Uh, there are several means of persuasion in classical rhetoric, ethos, pathos, and logos. And pathos is the appeal to emotion. Uh, bathos, a term coined later, uh, is a sort of faux appeal to to the profound or the sublime, uh, but it's juxtaposed often for some kind of comedic effect with um, with the trivial, with the mundane, with the ridiculous. Uh, Alexander Pope has a famous poem, "The Rape of the Lock," about uh, the the theft of a lock of hair uh, cut from a woman's head, but he narrates the event as if he's uh, Homer narrating a battle <laughs> on the fields of Troy. Uh, this isn't quite so lofty, but uh, we have uh, allusions to classical mythology. Uh, the fish in the pool are described as having uh, scaly armor with a Tyrian hue. Uh, water gods are invoked. So there is something a little bit over serious about uh, what <laughs> what is simultaneously a a comic and tragic event uh, this cat who is first enamored of her own reflection in a pool uh, and then sees fish and tries to catch them only to fall to her own demise the poem too moralizes a bit uh, we have at the end of the fifth stanza that uh, cutting but frank reminder, a favorite has no friend. Uh, and then finally, the final stanza is itself, uh, in its entirety, really, a moral, which contains uh, a great paradoxical admonition to be with caution, bold. I I like this admonition because uh, it's sort of a riddle uh, to encourage one to be both bold and cautious at the same time uh, forces you to look for a kind of Aristotelian uh, mean between two extremes. And it ends up being fairly decent advice. The what was first over serious and then comic settles maybe itself into this kind of Aristotelian mean of virtue, where the final concluding thought of the poem is not over serious and it's not silly. Uh, it's a sound piece of wisdom. Not all that glitters is gold. Be careful what you reach and strive for. Thomas Gray, too, uh, he's 
a committed formalist. That shouldn't surprise us because he's writing in the 1700s. Uh, but he plays with his meter in several places uh, to some effect. Mostly he's writing in iambic pentameter, uh, or rather an iambic tetrameter, but uh, repetition of these patterns of unstressed and stressed syllables. But there are a few places like when he talks about uh, having a stretching with an ardent wish, he distorts the meter a little bit, uh, maybe to signal that this is not a good idea. Uh, and then even the word slippery, uh, he switches to uh, a different kind of uh, metrical foot. And so he has stress and two unstresses. Uh, you you slip along, you slide easily along that word uh, as you read it, just as uh, the poor tabby cat's feet slip so easily, beguiled as she tumbles headlong into this tub of goldfishes. In the end, besides the obvious moral, uh, I think the clear lesson here is that we should all be careful to live our lives in such a way that we cannot be described uh, in similar terms. No one wants to have died drowned in a tub of anything, let alone goldfishes. I'll read the poem one more time. Twas on a lofty vase's side where China's gayest art had died, the azure flowers that blow, demurest of the tabby kind, the pensive Salima reclined, gazed on the lake below. Her conscious tale, her joy declared, the fair round face, the snowy beard, the velvet of her paws, her coat that with the tortoise vies, her ears of jet and emerald eyes she saw and purred with applause. Still had she gazed, but midst the tide, two angel forms were seen to glide, the genie of the stream. Their scaly armor's Tyrian hue, through richest purple to the view, betrayed a golden gleam. The hapless nymph with wonder saw a whisker first, and then a claw. With many an ardent wish, she stretched in vain to reach the prize, what female heart can gold despise? What cats averse to fish? Presumptuous maid, with looks intent, Again she stretched, again she bent, Nor knew the gulf between. Malignant fate sat by and smiled, The slippery verge her feet beguiled, She tumbled headlong in. Eight times emerging from the flood, She mewed to every watery god Some speedy aid to send. No dolphin came, no nereid stirred, nor cruel Tom, nor Susan heard. A favorite has no friend. From hence, ye beauties, undeceived, know one false step is ne'er retrieved, and be with caution bold. Not all that tempts your wandering eyes and heedless hearts is lawful prize, nor all that glisters gold. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you.
To listen to past episodes or to support this show, please visit dailypoempod.substack.com. On behalf of our whole team at Goldberry Studios, I'm Sean Johnson. Until next time, happy reading.